lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Well, we've got a lot to get to today, so let's get to it. Greetings. Happy Thursday. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Let us know who you are and what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me on Twitter and Getter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace and get clips of the show for free without any censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. We are going to get into uh, some heavy subject matter at times here today. So I thought we would begin with something light, at least hopefully light, because you certainly wouldn't want them to be full. And that is my underwear. Uh, our friends over, did you like that? Was that a good segue or does that work or not? Todd, your thoughts. <laughs> you know, you gave us a sense of gravity. Like we got a lot of work here today and then it's full underwear. Yes. Because this portion of the show brought to you by my friends over at Tommy John, whom I am literally wearing right now. I could give you a demonstration, but then Todd would of course file uh, for an OSHA violation. So I will not do that. Just take my word for it. Trust me. The restraining order is coming. Yes. Uh, They are the greatest pair of underwear I've ever owned. That's why after they gave me a few pair for free, I've gone back and bought more several times myself so that I never run out. If you want to try them today, it is Tommy John's anniversary month. And yes, if you or the Lindsey Graham in your life uh, wants to know, they do have ladies, uh, a lady line as well. Uh, 25% off site-wide right now to celebrate their anniversary month when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. It's the most comfortable, most endurable, is that the right word? Um, In underwear you will ever try when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. And I don't know, you've got 20% on the screen, but my read says it's 25, Aaron. Okay. If you go there. So it'll be one of those two. All right, one of those two, both of those are pretty big savings when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Coming up on today's show, at the bottom of the hour, we might actually have some breakthrough good news when it comes to the military and jab experimentation. We will talk to somebody who we think may have won a landmark case, or at least a hopeful one. Uh, We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will conclude... The book study we have been doing since the start of the year on Scott Atlas is a plague upon our house, which means next week we will be we will be starting the one that's right here in front of me. Do what you believe. We will be starting that one a week from today Uh, as part of our Theology Thursday three book series. That is book part two. And we'll start with that one next week. So if you haven't gotten your copy yet and you want to get one now so you can go through it with us in real time, uh, it's still available over at Amazon.com. Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. We will begin that book study next week. But this week we get into Atlas's conclusion and let's talk about lessons learned either for us or for the people we would elect to represent us. We'll get to that next hour and then we'll close it out with three non-political questions. But before we get to any Of those subject matters, let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Parkland 2.0. It's now being revealed according to multiple reports that police in Uvalde, Texas, along with Border Patrol and Sheriff's deputies, waited and did not engage with the gunmen inside Robb Elementary School for between 30 and 60 minutes after he'd breached the entrance. 
There are several inconsistencies between different accounts of the timelines of the day, including whether shots were fired when an officer attempted to stop the gunman from entering the school, and questions remain as to why law enforcement didn't engage the shooter earlier in the attack that left 19 kids and at least two teachers dead. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez told CNN, How was the gunman able to get into the school if the resource officer had engaged with him but no gunfire was exchanged? How did he get in? Yeah, so it, it started at his home. You know, he, he tragically uh, shoots his, his grandmother, and then he gets in a vehicle and he drives to the school. It's, it's less than a mile away, so it's really right around the corner. And as he comes to the school, he, he wrecks. He kind of go, goes into this ditch, and it's when he got into that ditch is when law enforcement was, was, was called and engaged. You know, so uh, that, that's part of the initial contact. Uh, it was no firing uh, that I understand. He actually enters through the back of one of the buildings, through the, uh, the teacher parking lot, if you will. He immediately enters one room. And then essentially that's when the police, uh, the, the law enforcement officer, because it's not just police officers. It's, it's sheriffs. It's Border Patrol agents. I mean, everybody came together. People are not even in, even in this county. And they basically cornered him into one room. There are hundreds of children in that school. Part of the story, there's a, there's a, a lieutenant named Javier Martinez engages this, this uh, uh, assailant. He takes fire. He actually was wounded. You know, it's tragic to see so many children be murdered. But it, this could have been a whole lot worse. People like Javier Martinez and Chief uh, Arredondo, they saved hundreds of lives. So that's where you see him get pinned in. Well, he was pinned. But just to be clear, he's pinned down or pinned in in a classroom where he was slaughtering kids. Right. I mean, is, is that what you mean by pinned down? I, I'm on, I, I understand that he went in that classroom and he begins to fire. He begins to murder people, starting with the with that that wonderful teacher that was defending her students. And he doesn't stop. We're also learning more about the shooter who acquaintances say was a bullied loner who bought two expensive rifles for his 18th birthday just last week. One of his only friends in high school told CNN that the shooter had stopped attending school regularly and recently sent him a picture of his firearms and ammunition that he had purchased. The friend asked the shooter why he had those items, and the shooter told him not to worry about it. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced yesterday the Senate will have a vote on some yet undisclosed gun legislation. Barack Obama tweets, As we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. Time Magazine op-ed, It's time to stop giving Christianity a pass on white supremacy and violence. Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke was in Uvalde, Texas yesterday and crashed a press conference held by local law enforcement and Governor Greg Abbott. Sit down. You're out of, you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Don't play this stuff. Next shooting is right now and you are doing nothing. No, please get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to you. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. I'm sure you're out of line. Please leave I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Abbott responded to the incident. There are family members who are crying as we speak. There are family members whose hearts are broken 
There's no words that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal those broken hearts. We all, every Texan, every American has a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texans to, in this one moment in time, put aside personal agendas, think of somebody other than ourselves, think about the people who were hurt, and help those who have been hurt. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage is brought to you by Freedom Project Academy. And um, as you can see in the aftermath of our culture or in the aftermath of this tragedy, uh, wide swaths of our culture are just incapable of critical thinking. And that's on purpose. They were specifically for going on a second generation now, dumbed down by the government school system, or as I like to call it, Satan's youth ministry, uh, and taught that compliance was the highest virtue so that they would then be compliant and not critical thinkers. If you're looking for an option to end that cycle in your children's generation so they don't succeed in doing this for a third generation in a row here in this country and then probably finish off whatever is left of it, look for options like our friends at Freedom Project Academy. I know these people personally. We were in the trenches together in the fight against Common Core a decade ago. I had my own son enrolled in FPA for a couple of years before we put him at Des Moines Christian so we could get involved in more extracurricular activities. They do a great job. They, they teach you the mastery of subject matter. That matters. And not spirit of the age propaganda, but spots are already filling up fast for this fall. So get a free information packet right now so you can make a decision before all those spots are gone. Just go to freedom for for by the way, freedom for school.com. That is freedom for school.com. I want to get into what Aaron highlighted in his montage. And I want us to have as, as honest and deep of a conversation about it as we can. But I, and, and, and to do that, I think, though, we have to dismiss the low-lying fruit. I, I saw a pastor, and forgive me, I, I just saw it in passing as I was heading into the shower after working out this morning. Uh, I saw that there was a clip that our official Blaze account tweeted out from our friend and colleague Jason Whitlock's show with a, and I didn't get a chance to hear exactly what he said, so forgive me, I'm admitting that up front, okay? But the the... The tweet that our official Blaze feed put in association with this clip was, um, or maybe it was actually Jason's uh, fearless feed, I should say, uh, was, you know, is there a middle ground on guns? And I want to address this right now before we get into the actual subject matter here that really matters. After what happened at Parkland in 2018, I was actually still an opinion contributor at USA Today. They had not completely run me yet. And one of the final pieces I wrote for them might have even been the final piece, actually. And you'll remember this because there was a there was a kind of an uproar within our own audience about it at the time. But it was an invitation. And the invitation was, hey, after this kind of a school shooting, 
where the FBI was warned, local authorities were warned. Okay. The police, again, just like what you see here, hang out outside. CNN does the town hall, anointing Sheriff Israel as a hero and cornering Dana Lash to make her look like, um, uh, you know, uh, the devil. Only we find out later on that Sheriff Israel probably ought to be in a prison cell right now. And one of the first moves Ron DeSantis did as governor was cat was was canning his ass. And they just stood out there and did nothing and stood down while this psycho was opening fire in the school. Right. And so I wrote a piece for USA Today. And I think a lot of people probably just that were within our camp that were angry just probably read the headline, but didn't actually read the piece because the, the headline was, OK, you want to finally now after something like this. You finally want to have a real conversation about this. Let's do that. And I, I want to I want to share a couple of uh, a couple of excerpts. Okay. Um, I stayed in this piece. I am a staunch advocate of the God-given right to life to self-defense against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Which means I don't just believe in the Second Amendment, but the divine precedent that is inspired by our founding fathers to include it in our Bill of Rights in the first place. I also have a concealed carry permit in my state, as does my wife. Right. I, I lead off with that. OK, I then talk about because of the heinousness of this massacre. If you want to have an honest conversation about this, then then let's do it. Let's not have an, uh, an emotional driven conversation. Let's do it. We had we had just come off of this series, this debate. CNN had put together its highest rated event in years. You guys may not even remember this. OK, it was the Bernie Sanders, Ted Cruz debate. They, they put the two kind of chief yeah, ideologues from the previous presidential cycle together yeah. and they went back and forth on a serious series of issues. It was the highest rated event that CNN had put on the air, even back in 2018 in years. And given how much their ratings have deteriorated since, then that would only rank even higher uh, within the albeit low lying fruit of the pantheon of high rated CNN events. But this was amongst the highest, showing that there was clearly an appetite for a real conversation on these issues. So I said, all right, let's have one. Um, and I said, it's time for CNN to extend this duo, meaning Sanders and Cruz, another invite, this time to debate America's gun laws. Maybe this way we can get answers to legitimate questions that each side of the debate should have, such as, and again, I'm just reading right out of a piece I wrote in February of 2018. How is it possible that the Broward County shooter passed a background check, back background check to legally purchase firearms, yet he was banned from local school grounds as a potential threat? How are those two things congruent? And so right away, I'm trying to show empathy. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna throw a, a bone to the other side, one of the other side's chief arguments, and say, hey, okay, let's look at that. I mean, I'd kind of like to know that, right? Sure. I mean, what's the point of a background check if it's not going to flag a guy that the local school system says don't allow him on school grounds? I think that's a valid question. Before we yes. at least get, let's get an answer to that before we can define then what the remedy is. How about we get the answer to that question first, right? Yes. Okay. But then I asked a couple of other questions. How come stories of private gun ownership actually saving lives rarely gets sustained national attention? And I include a link to a study about several of those cases uh, as of 2018. Should our schools be as secure as our airports, for example? I ask that question. Um, then I say, um, those for more gun control should know why many gun owners believe you're really for confiscation. All too often, those publicly calling for gun control are ignorant of what our gun laws are, what an assault rifle is, the general terminology, etc. There's a lot of people that believe AR-15 means assault rifle. That's not what it means. 
it's it's a brand of the people that like created that particular weapon you know like dunkin donuts disney it's a brand name it doesn't mean assault rifle and I point out in this article, on last Wednesday, a guest on MSNBC demanded that every state have the same strict gun laws Connecticut does. Except those strict gun laws didn't stop one of the worst mass shootings in American history in Connecticut at Sandy Hook. And none of those laws would have stopped any of the mass shootings that have gone on around the country since. Then I point out, after the Las Vegas mass shooting last fall, which shows you right away that there's another agenda here. If there was ever an opportunity to absolutely corner us on gun rights, that was the perfect case. White male is the shooter. Opens fire. Perfect villain, right? Perfect. This is, you want to talk about the perfect event to politicize. And yet here we stand. It is almost been four years since the worst mass shooting in American history. And we have absolutely no answers as to how or the motivations of how a guy went in. I was just there for my 25th wedding anniversary. I'm well aware of how well surveilled Las, Las Vegas is and how he was able to turn a hotel room right on the Vegas strip into a sniper's nest. And we don't know why. How is that even possible? And is anybody at any of these media sources even digging in to find out the answer to it? Nope. I pointed out after the Las Vegas mass shooting last fall, I did a hit on a national cable news network. This was CNN, by the way. Uh, I, I did a hit on CNN to discuss it. The host was demanding something be done so that this doesn't happen again. When I asked her what her suggestions were, she instantly fell silent for a moment before mentioning action on bump stocks, which is what, you know, Trump, that's what Trump actually did, an executive order on bump stocks, something most people had never even heard of after the Vegas shooting. That was it. We're all emotional when our collective hearts are broken as the body bags are hauled away. That's our humanity showing. But logic and reason are part of our humanity as well, I conclude. If you want gun owners to listen to what you believe are reasonable ideas and you're not just a gun grabber, be informed and reasonable. So this was over, this was over four years ago. I tried this approach. Has the debate gotten any more informed and reasonable since then? It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. So right away, there is no there is no opportunity to be informed and reasonable. And if anything, the last 26 months have showed us painfully why our founding fathers gave us this Second Amendment instead of disarming us. That it is for hunting. Tyrants. There it is. Say that again, please. The, the Second Amendment is for hunting. Tyrants. Otherwise, they will hunt you. And I, I mean, I've just seen the amount of stupid takes. Uh, they could just wipe you out with a drone. Right. Because if, if, if that is all it took to impose your will, we wouldn't have left Afghanistan tail tucked firmly ensconced between legs with hundreds of Americans left behind. I mean, these arguments are just dumb. And that just goes to show you, empathy is a two-way street. There has been no effort 
to become more reasonable or informed on the nature of gun ownership in America. There just has not been. Not collectively. And unfortunately, it's not as if we lack for examples that would give us and provoke us and give us an impetus to maybe seek that information out, which just goes to show you now that this is another agenda. So dismiss those thoughts. There will be no reasonable conversations. There are none. They cannot be had. I'm sorry to say that, but as Todd likes to point out on our show and has done so recently, uh, eloquently recently, we are post-argument now. There's a reason why this is one of the last pieces I wrote for USA Today. I think they're calling me back. Hey, you know, would you mind kind of updating that piece for this? Tra- no, they don't want a reasonable argument. We're post-argument now. So with that dismissed, let's get to the real issues here. Everything that is pretty much plaguing us as a people right now. Demonically converged in Uvalde, Texas, and has continued to do so in the aftermath. The lack of masculine initiative. Let's start there. And just as we saw during COVID, single moms walking into the Rite Aids and and Costco's alone, defying the circumstances, the spirit of the age, we have female fourth grade teachers putting themselves between their students and the bullets, while the men who are armed remain outside. This should shock no one. We live in a, in a day and age where there is an assault of an elderly lady on a, sub, on a subway and no one jumps in to help. They just grab their phones and film it. The lack of masculine initiative. This was a well-known bully in the community. We handled well-known bullies differently when we were growing up. And we still should. And we still should. And in fact, if we didn't do it, if we didn't do it, our dads would make us do it. So the lack of masculine initiative here, which then just gives an opening. No sheepdogs. So the wolves just devour the sheep. Institutional systemic meltdowns. We've talked on this show for the last few years that as conservatives, we got to, we're going to have to reevaluate the institutions that we used to identify as ours, military, police, etc. We'll have the military conversation here at the bottom of the hour. And, and we have to get rid of the automatic default mechanism to defend because they're not, these institutions are not going to be immune to the spirit of the age. In fact, they're going to be on the front lines of the toxicity. They'll be amongst the first to be corrupted. So we see that. We see the backside cliff of what was already an epidemic level problem of mental illness in the country. But now we're on the backside of these lockdowns. My wife belongs to one of the largest Christian therapy clinics here in our city. This is the largest city in Iowa by far. They have well over a dozen full-time therapists at this clinic. She's part-time. Well over a dozen. I think the number is 18, but I just know it's over a dozen. 
So this is not a small office. They are so overloaded. This is Des Moines, Iowa, guys. Okay? Where we had no stay-at-home order. We were arguably the freest state in the union in the year 2020. We were the first to reopen high school sports and extracurricular activities in the entire country. So I can't even imagine what's going on like in California and some of these other places, okay? But even here in Iowa, an office with well over a dozen full-time therapists is receiving so many requests to treat and see new teenage patients they can't take anymore. They have to turn them away. They're overloaded. They, they, they just don't have the space. They don't have enough therapist for it. But that's okay. We'll just leave the border open for more and more opioid abuse and more and more fentanyl abuse and more and more self-medication, Netflix and chill, hang out, no meaning, no purpose. No one there to mold the young men. That goes back to the lack of masculine initiative again. The God-shaped hole in the heart, you have no reason for being. You weren't made for a reason. There is no purpose in your life. So when you have a tragedy like losing both of your parents, for example, where would you find meaning and purpose in that? Outside of God, you would not. It's actually the most logical thing to embrace the nihilism. Give yourself over to it. I could go on, but by now you see a demonic convergence. The lack of masculine aggression initiative. Institutional systemic meltdown in our country. Empty hearts and empty souls and lots of free time. And the same people that say we need to talk about the guns are the same ones who say it's totally reasonable to create a registry that doesn't violate the freedoms of, who knows, 100 million gun owners in America. But it wouldn't be possible to just have like single entry points at schools for the public. We couldn't, I mean, that would, that's just beyond the pale. That's just, wait, I mean, that couldn't possibly work. Because this isn't about being reasonable or empathetic and finding a solution. It's about an agenda. And I think a lot of the people that are saying these things don't even realize this. And they don't even realize that they represent the very darkness that taken to its most extreme conclusion acts out the way that this killer did. Once I come to the conclusion, there is no purpose, there is no justice, there is no accountability. It really is only my love of my own leisure and convenience that would stop me from fully embracing the darkness of nihilism. Well, here we have a poor community. Kid living with his grandmother. He doesn't have a lot of those entanglements of convenience so he's given over 
that's just a morsel of the conversation we need to be having. But in most of this country, we won't. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? I, uh, I said, dear God, that was my only response to the police. Uh, apparently not entering that building. And I don't know if the, I don't know the veracity of the border patrol agent going in on his own. Did he just get sick of it? All, all I know is that what Steve just said about leisure and comfort. Uh, it's like when we, Steve, when we were young, we had about entering the military, go see the world, be all you can be. You know, mm-hmm. it was like a, a vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, it, being a cop is not a leisure pursuit. Being a man is not a leisure pursuit. You have duties. And it's not playing a video game called Call to Duty. It's right here in this damn life. Get to work, men. I can't follow that up any better. It is incumbent upon us as men to lead the way through this. Otherwise, our children... And if we have any grandchildren, they're going to have to do it for us. And it's going to be a lot worse circumstances then, believe it or not. We'll come back with, we hope, some good news next. We introduced this new partner of the program yesterday, Viciously Loyal. It is a brand born from a long line of servicemen and women who choose to be servants to their community, live their lives with purpose, and apply that purpose to everything that they do. All Viciously Loyal gear, it's designed and printed right here in the U.S. of A. as well. Their newly released line of premium shirts and tank tocks were designed with style, comfort, durable construction using soft or super soft blended fabrics that retain their shape and feel amazing against your skin. They've got a line of structured trucker and flat bill hats that are constructed to handle whatever you put them through as well. There's a lot of cool swag when you check out their website at viciouslyloyal.com and when you do and you put in Steve at checkout if you go to buy something, uh, you'll get 20% off your new Viciously Loyal gear. 20% off when you go uh, to Viciously Loyal Dot com. That's viciouslyloyal.com and use the discount code Steve at checkout to get 20% off. I got some of their swag the other day, some really good looking stuff uh, that we'll probably be wearing uh, when it ever actually becomes summer here in Central Iowa. I got a note. Someone said, Todd's wearing a coat. You're wearing a turtleneck. Isn't it Memorial Day weekend? Not here in eight. Now, it's supposed to get hot, I guess, this weekend, yeah. right? Okay, but it has been, uh, it's been trick-or-treat season here for the last several days. So, uh, But we'll be busting out the Viciously Loyal gear here soon. Again, viciouslyloyal.com. Use the promo code Steve to get 20% off. Last year, we profiled an organization called Stand With Warriors. You can check out their website, standwithwarriors.org standwithwarriors.org. They defend those who have sworn an oath to protect our nation. Uh, They are, quote, the front lines of the battle to protect military members, religious, medical, and constitutional rights. We wanted to bring them back because there is a key update on one of the endeavors they have been pursuing. One of the attorneys there, or maybe he's the attorney there, R. Davis Yance, joins us now. It is good to have you back on the show, brother. How are you? 
I'm doing well, brother. Thanks for having us on. You bet. So I got an update from you last week, and I thought when I saw it, I think I thought, hey, we got to get you guys back on right away. So why don't you share that with our audience? Yeah, we last Friday in San Diego, we got an incredible win uh, for a Navy officer named Billy Mosley. He served in the United States Navy for 22 years, Christian man, and he's challenging this vaccine mandate. And and we won a, a Navy board composed of three senior Navy officers found he did not commit misconduct by refusing the vaccine and found that he should be retained in the United States Navy. So it's just a fantastic story, something we've been praying for and so many have been hoping for. So is this within, since this was a this was a naval panel uh, adjudicating it, I would imagine this would have been within the confines of the UCMJ, then within that ecosystem from a, from a law standpoint? That's right, within the confines of the UCMJ, and it was not a court martial though, it was an administrative proceeding, but the, the Article 92 with regard to uh, what, a, what is a lawful order, a violation of a lawful order, is what he was accused of. So it's within the scope of military law, absolutely. Okay, so then how does that work, Davis, from a precedent um, judicial review standpoint within that ecosystem as compared to out here in the gen pop? How does that work for then, does that a precedent that is, could be binding for other servicemen and women to, to successfully challenge and, and to claim as the rationale for their challenge? Yes and no. It is not like a, a court ruling or an appellate court ruling where it says now the Navy has to abide by this. But the precedent it does set is that military officers looking at this issue found that it was not misconduct to violate this order. So it does present a precedent from a military standpoint as far as actually opening people's eyes, applying common sense and looking at the law. So this is one of the first cases where we've seen the military do that. So it is a game changer from a PR standpoint, but I think it's really opened a lot of military members' eyes to actually question this order. Um, so many military members, especially leaders, um, senior leaders, haven't been questioning the lawfulness uh, of this, and now we can. We've demonstrated that we can, and if these board members go into it with an open mind and they see the facts for themselves, they can be convinced of the truth on this. So that's that's what's powerful, I hope. So the last couple of years on this show, whether it's organizations like yours or Liberty Council or others who have been fighting for both private citizens and members and families that are enlisted, um, we've we've tried to help get as many people opportunities to, uh, you know, work and get success with their exceptions, religious exemptions or what have you uh, to these mandates. But I said all along while we were doing that, that at some point in time, I mean, I'm, I'm all for exempting yourself from something that has shown to be uh, an experimental substance with a, in real time, escalating risk profile that just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. But at some point, whether in this whole mess of COVID stand, whether it's these jabs, it's masks, it's lockdowns, at some point we need to challenge this on the merits. Is this stuff actually legal? And then furthermore, what's the lemon test here? There is there no efficacy test whatsoever 
that they can just conjure up anything. So now your employer can tell you, hey, I mean, I, I want you to be, it's legal to smoke pot in our state and I want you to be stoned or you can't come to work here. What, what's, the lem, what's the test of efficacy, some threshold objectively that they have to show that this action is justified? Otherwise, even when we win, it's subjective, right? They, they, like they took it away for a while because the heat was too hot, but now you're seeing in San Diego where you just were, the school district there is going to bring back the masks, all right? Because every Everything they're doing is capricious. It's they take it away when the heat is too hot. They bring it back when they want. So this is also what attracted me to your case is you went after them on the merits, not necessarily on the technicality of not acknowledging his his exemption request or in, in, in the delayed response as they've had with all kinds of exemption requests. But you went at this at the merits of, of, of what they were doing legally within the UCMNJ itself, right? That's that's absolutely right. So so my client, Lieutenant Mosley, he is a Christian. He he drafted a religious accommodation request. He met with the chaplain. The chaplain said, yes, you have a sincerely held belief. I I agree you should be exempted from this. And then he sat down and, and he said, as an officer, I feel called by God. I feel it is my burden to risk my retirement, my 22 years of service, all my benefits mm. to challenge the lawfulness of this order. And in order to do that, I have to say no mm. and and no without submitting a religious accommodation. So that's what he did. That's what I helped him with. And that was the basis for this. So we challenged the legality of the vaccine mandate on military members. And in part, we looked at the definition of a lawful order in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and it has to be, an order has to be reasonably necessary to accomplish the military's mission. And that was part of our basis for challenging this, providing evidence related to efficacy, absolutely. We even called a witness that could talk about my client's character, who's a, a military medical professional, who himself got the first shot, had a negative reaction to it, an adverse reaction to it, and now is out championing as best he can within the system why this is not a lawful order, why this is dangerous, why this is not reasonably necessary for the military. So you're absolutely right. Obviously, you lawyers want to win, right? And I don't book guests that I think will bore the audience either, okay? So we screen our guests like you guys screen your clients, were you concerned at all about going? Because that's one of the reasons why we don't go for, pardon the pun here, but we are having a military conversation. That's one of the reasons why we often don't go for the headshots, because we're concerned that that we live in an age of such lawlessness within the judicial branch that, he, that if we make that argument, and even if it's right, they'll just ignore it. And then just use and then use that that as the standing to just rip every precedent and every exemption apart, right? And so we tendency we have a tendency to kind of try to fight this on the edges as opposed to going right for the thermal exhaust port, if you will. Were you concerned about that in taking this case? I, I absolutely was. Um, it's one of the things that I prayed through um, and and really spent a lot of time talking to Lieutenant Mosley about his faith. Um, and I will tell you, this was the the perfect client because he is a man of faith. His military record and his personal story are just amazing. I mean, this is a guy that didn't graduate from high school. He had to get into the military uh, through a GED program, hmm. served for 22 years. He transitioned from enlisted ranks to be an officer, incredible career, deployed multiple times, highly decorated, just a fantastic person to, to be the one to challenge this because he's one of those people that military members know they look at his uniform, his ribbon rack, and they take pause. Nothing in, nothing else in his record that they could argue against other than his central claim, in other words. 
Absolutely. And just the kind of person that garners attention. Lieutenant Mosley walks in a room, you see his his ribbon rack. That's what we look for in the military. And you go, okay, that guy is legitimate. He Mm -hmm. is for real. I'm going to listen when he has something to say. So so that was a huge part of this. But I will tell you, you know, as a person of faith, I mean, throughout this board, every recess that we that we had, we were we were talking about our faith and I was praying with Lieutenant Mosley and and this is one of those where we just we we presented it to them and we said, you know, it's in God's hands. But what was refreshing to me, what was encouraging to my faith, I hope it's encouraging to you and your audience is we're presenting things that legally and from a common sense standpoint are so clear under the law. The military cannot mandate this vaccine without producing actual FDA approved vaccine. None of those are available to military members under the law, under federal statute. They cannot require that, yet they are, and they're trying to paper it over. And so you you sort of get in your own echo chamber and think, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. This seems so simple. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? And this board was willing to listen. They were willing to look at this. And there was just a telling moment. The senior officer on this board looked at the military council and said, are you telling me there's not an FDA-approved vaccine available for military members? And they had to look at him and say, well, technically that's true. That's That's true. That's something a lot of Americans don't even know in the gen pop because we had all the headlines last year. Pfizer is now fully approved, but it's the, I can't remember what it's called, a comedy or something vaccine that they don't even sell here in the U.S. And so all the injections, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer that you go and get or any of the other ones, frankly, although the J&J has been pulled now, but all of them are still under an emergency youth authorization. The, the, products that were, the product that was actually fully authorized is not available to be injected into the arms of Americans, whether it's military or gen pop. That's, the, that's something I think a lot of Americans don't know, Davis. Absolutely. These military members, these senior officers on this board, these, this board didn't realize that. And one of them is, is in a command position. And, and he said to us after the board, he said, I've given an order. Now I, I have to go back and, and talk to my legal advisor and ask, why, why was I told to give this order? Mm-hmm. I, I thought Pfizer was FDA approved. And I've never even heard of this Comirnaty stuff you're talking about until today. It was just fascinating to sort of break through with with the truth on that. And here's the wild thing that I don't fully understand that that gets political. But, you know, the president of the United States could President Biden could issue an executive order saying that there's a waiver to the federal law and mandate military members get an experimental use or emergency use authorization vaccine. And they haven't done that. Yeah, exactly. That's very powerful. Yeah. That tells you a lot. Why haven't they done that? And and I think there's a lot of fear because of what happened with anthrax. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of military members. Everybody wants the Pontius Pilate Basin next to them, Davis, so that when the bill comes due for all this experimentation, they can wash their hands of it. And you know this. I mean, there's rigor mortis in every institution, man, whether it's the military or in the or government. All right. No one wants ultimately for the, the, the hot potato to land in their lap. They don't want the buck to stop with them. And so the hope this is a house of cards. The hope is we just issue these edicts. You guys just everybody falls in line and complies and never questions the central premise of it that and then you think if there's something wrong like you said earlier i am crazy no one else thinks like me i don't want to be the idiot that stands out so i'll just go along and before you know it it's official it's unofficially enforced because of all of the unchallenged compliance that's the game 
Absolutely right. And, you know, you've been saying it this year. Let's find out. That's exactly what happened in this case. Lieutenant Mosley said, I don't believe this is a lawful order. I don't believe this makes sense. Somebody has to stand up. I'm willing to do it. And let's find out what happens. And I'm just, you know, we're praising God that these Mm -hmm. senior officers were willing to have an open mind and actually look at the law, the facts and the evidence in this board. So. All right. Final thing before we let you go. If there's anybody else listening right now who has a case that is pending within uh, the military right now. What would you advise them to do in light of this precedent? If there's people that maybe are like, hey, I want to kind of use this example now rather than just kind of going for an exemption. I want to go. I was, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm a trained killer. That's why I joined the military to kill bad guys. So let's let's deliver the kill shot to this entire house of cards. Can they work with your organization? Can you answer both of those questions before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. I I think this is the playbook. We need to show the members, show military officers in plain terms what the law says, what the facts are. And and by doing that, you can convince them clearly that the truth is so plain if you'll actually take the time to look at it. So that's one. Uh, I, I have to warn military commanders out there that are listening you know, that are commanding my clients, you're carrying out an order that, that does not appear to be lawful. Mm. And and there's going to be a reckoning for that. You need to be asking your JAGs to actually show you chapter and verse the law. So I would encourage that. For those military members, those family members that are out there, my biggest encouragement is to stay strong. There are organizations like standwithwarriors.org. There's another organization called Truth for Health, Truth, mm-hmm. F-O-R, Health. Um, Truth for Health actually helps provide a grant for Lieutenant Mosley's legal fees as well. But go to standwithwarriors.org, sign up there, get on the mailing list. We'll push out this information. We're always looking for attorneys uh, with the right background and experience that are willing to take on these cases. And we will take more of these to boards. We have other clients that are lined up, ready to challenge this, both for religious reasons as well as the lawfulness of the order. So we hope we get a series of wins here. Great work, Davis. Thank you for keeping us updated, for joining us, and uh, God bless you, and uh, God bless Mr. Mosley as well, and thank you guys for your service. We appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, thank you, brother. God bless you. All right, same to you. Gentlemen, uh, a, 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 a bit of good news we needed after the conversation we had in the first half hour, and the conversation, frankly, we're going to have next half hour, <laughs> all right? So, your thoughts? Well, despite the legal stuff in there, he kept saying we prayed about it together. Here I am, Lord. Send me. All of you out there, if you don't feel as courageous as these guys, you're never going to be. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not courageous enough. God is. Here I am, Lord. Send me. That's the trick. There's nothing else. There's this meme of a guy tipping a really small domino over here, and then it uh, tips over bigger and bigger and bigger dominoes until you get a huge, heavy, six-foot-tall domino over here. And the meme is a Babylon Bee uh, joke about Rachel Levine, $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. This kind of feels, these stories <laughs> kind of feel like that tiny yeah. little domino yeah. down there. Let's hope. Um, and, and exactly. Let's, let's hope that's the case because this cannot stand. If it, if it does stand, if stories like this do stand, then we are in for, uh, as you know, a, a world of trouble. But God bless uh, uh, Davis Yance and his organization. Um, and I, I just pray, I pray that the people who are uh, who are responsible for foisting this upon our nation's military are held accountable and that commanding officers 
will think twice. Will think twice about forcing those under their command to take these experimental jabs. Amen. Amen. Standwithwarriors.org, truthforhealth.org. Those are both great organizations. We've donated as a family to both of them. So, uh, and they can help you guys uh, if you're in the military. Hour two is next. Back with hour two, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with. Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you, don't forget, you can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And if you are a podcast listener, thank you. You're a big part of our show's continued growth. Please leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Hit subscribe and follow. And thank you to all of you, the thousands of you that have done each or both of those things for us already. And then clips of the show are available to watch for free each day at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I know we have a lot of military listening to this show because I hear from you guys all the time. So let me repeat, uh, standwithwarriors.org. Pardon me, if you've not heard of R. Davis Yant's organization, standwithwarriors.org. And that's the organization with the backing of Truth for Health. And that's a foundation that our friend Peter McCullough and others have put together um, to help push back on what's going on here from an information standpoint. Uh, Both of those are worthy nonprofits to support. Our own family has supported them. That's why I would recommend it. But uh, standwithwarriors.org, truthforhealth.org, they can help you. And there's we, we were talking during the break, because I think this is actually an excellent segue to our Theology Thursday series, which is brought to you by our friends over at Taiga Coolers, who have sent me an update on some of the customized coolers uh, that you guys have asked them to do just people within our show that have asked for certain things. And I mean, some of these are really cool, but none of them are as cool as they sent me a mock-up for a customized cooler lid of a nefarious plot, the book cover. And that, that was pretty cool. Okay. Now, not as cool as the Taiga cooler lid that rests uncomfortably behind me from the one and only Lindsey Graham Nisty where he is behind me perpetually getting to the bottom of it and I am just feeling like Todd now this this cooler lid is starting to do to me what I do to you Todd I am now starting to feel uncomfortable tough but fair with the fact that this is behind me constantly but it is still uh, a piece de resistance so if you would like to get your own customized lid from our friends at Tyga Coolers. Use the promo code Steve to get 10% off. Maybe you're low maintenance and you're like, I just want a really good cooler. I don't care what color it is. They can do that for you too. Everything's American made right here in the US of A. Great for gifts, uh, both for family, friends, and even clients. 10% off right now with the promo code Steve when you go to tygacoolers.com. T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A, tygacoolers.com. Use the promo code Steve. So I think this this will actually be a good segue to us as we finish our study. There's painstaking studies, and then there's just pain. 
studies. And that is what Scott Atlas's book, A Pox Upon, or A Plague Upon Our House, Pox, that's my Freudian slip, A Plague Upon Our House, um, and his attempt to save America and the Trump White House from COVID stand to no avail, unfortunately. Uh, and it wasn't for a lack of trying on his part. It was because he was, you know, one man against the tide, basically. But, you know, Davis Yance rightly credited prayer for having a huge role in the success that they had with this landmark win within the Navy's judici- administrative judicial system. But there's a, there's a lot of debate, and this is Theology Thursday, okay? So let's make a, 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 a specific theology point before we get to the broader theological recon of the spirit of the age that we're doing with these books. Okay, let's make okay. a direct one. If God is sovereign, why do I need to pray? Um, can I bend God's will? Are there certain things I could pray or incantations that I could know or magic phrases that God acts like in the secret, acts on my behalf if I do these things? What's the relationship between the sovereignty of God and our um, obedience and devotion can we move the heart of God? What did Jesus mean when he said, if you, anything you ask for that you pray for in my name, it'll be granted to you? What, I mean, what, what, what are these all references to? And there's been a lot of heretical, but just honestly quizzical, skeptical. I don't understand, you know, how this math works. And, and this is something even within Christian orthodoxy that has been debated heavily since Christ's ascension. So I will not even dare claim that we will settle the matter here. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to offer a humble suggestion that may be an example of what it looks like when all of these ideas are rightly divided and properly adjudicated in our own theology, in our own belief system, that maybe what it looks like is, is this decision that we were just discussing. First of all, they put prayer at the forefront. They didn't say, all right, because raise your hand if you've done this. Raise your hand if you've done this a thousand times. Raise your hand if you've done this a million times. Steve, I don't know what this is, so I'm not raising my hand yet. Okay. Uh, I guess all we have left to do is pray. So raise your hand if you've ever done that. Yeah. If like a hundred times, a thousand times, too many to count. Understand that when we say that, the implication is, all right, man, I've exhausted everything in my meager mortality. I know how to do. I guess I'm down to my last resort here. Let me see if I could possibly beckon the most powerful force in the universe to uh, work its will on my behalf. Doesn't that just sound silly when we verbalize it like that? What does pray without ceasing mean in the original Greek, Steve? It means to pray without ceasing. Yeah, when you break it down, both in the Masoretic and in the Aramaic and in the Latin Vulgate uh, and uh, also in the Septuagint texts, it means to pray without ceasing. But um, you would think we would be more tempted to abuse starting there. Wait a minute. I, I, I have a direct line to the most powerful force in the universe. Like you would think it would be right. more common to abuse it the way that the prosperity hacks do. Right. You would just go humming, humming, humming. Yes. And then yes. Conjure down. this. Yes. yes. All right. Like Gnosticism makes total sense. I'm not saying it's good, 
But doesn't it make total sense to actually yeah. put so much mystery on that to the yes. idea that it can now conjure the outcomes in this world that's that a, I want? That's the whole joke about the prayer of the flooded guy on the roof and the helicopter comes. Yes. And the, that's the joke. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and, God, and then finally, you know, there was a piece of driftwood, then an orange cone. Yes. He didn't grab it. And then he goes to, dies, he goes to heaven. And he asked Christ, I mean, I prayed and asked you to save me. Why didn't you act? And he's like, you didn't see the driftwood and the yeah. orange cone? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that I get from a craven standpoint and i get why those heresies are attractive what just has never made sense but we're all guilty of it and i'm just as guilty of it as anybody else is this let me play that card last that's the thing that just doesn't make sense overplaying that card all right um what uh, to do with this yes carnally playing Mm. that card sinfully playing that card all of that makes sense what doesn't make sense i'm sitting here on pocket aces i know what everybody else's hand is but I think I'm just going to be really cautious and sit this one out. That's the that's the thing that doesn't make any sense, but we are all guilty of it, okay? And so they led with that. But this is where their own obedience factors into the equation. I think it was Francis Schaeffer that in our modern age, it's it's been said in different ways throughout the 2,000-year history of the church, but the the modern way that we often say it, I think goes back to Francis Schaeffer in the 70s. Your God is too small. This is a God that raises the dead to life, that speaks universes into existence. He's looking for big wins. He likes big wins. Miraculous wins, yeah, if he, you will. Yeah, indeed. There's a term there we could use more often. Yeah, he likes big wins. That doesn't mean, I mean, I, I have gotten so many notes from so many of you I thought I was going to lose my job and then I didn't, I thought I had no chance of this exemption and it came, I prayed and it came through at the last minute. That doesn't mean that he's not the God of the mundane because a lot of our lives are mundane. God didn't speak to Moses for like a hundred years after he told him to build this ark, build a boat, something your species has never seen before in order to be prepared for a weather event that your species has never seen before. And I'll get back to you when it's closer to time. hundred years goes by. <laughs> a lot of mundane happened. You know, a lot of Moses got up, ate, went to the bathroom, saw his kids, grandkids. You know what I'm saying? A lot of just mundane stuff. Yeah, went for a walk. A lot of mundane stuff happened. God was still in the mundane. But the, the point of the mundane is to prepare us for the big win. Then one day, a hundred years later, God did speak to Moses again. And you know what he said? Get in the boat. It's on. And so after a hundred years of all that mundane, what did Noah and his family dutifully do? They got in the boat. So they prepared accordingly and then acted obediently. R. Davis Yance, if you look him up online, is not some podunk attorney. He's a successful criminal attorney in Pennsylvania with his own private practice. He was a jag in the military. In other words, he's prepared. He took his preparation very seriously. Uh, He took the stewardship of the talents and gifts that he was given by his creator very seriously. He honed them. Skillfully crafted them. And then when the call came... It wasn't getting the boat. It was standwithwarriors.org. That was the call. He acted. And then when the mission arrived, they went for the kill. They went for the big win. They didn't go for the 
Let's see if we can slip one past the goalie and escape. That doesn't mean there's never a time to do that. Or one of the greatest moments that salvaged Western civilization was the strategic the strategic retreat at Dunkirk. If Churchill and what was left of the British forces had stood there and gone Alamo, we'd all be wearing a darker shade of, uh, of, of, of clothing right now and probably not doing shows like this. Because that was it. That was all that was left of the resistance. That doesn't mean there's never a time. Jesus looks at his followers. When you see the abomination of desolation, flee. Don't like stand your ground, get out. That doesn't mean there's never a time for a strategic retreat. But but we are we have kind of mastered retreats and then called them strategic a lot. As opposed to at some point in time, someone needs to stand up and say, here I stand, I can do no more. May God have mercy on my soul. Nope. Someone needs to be the 29-year-old Baptist seamstress in Alabama who just on one day on the bus just finally just had had enough and said, you know what? No. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Maybe you didn't hear me the first time. No. No's my answer. No. And while there is certainly a time for strategic retreats, we are way over time for bold stance. Way over time. And so what happened is they went bold, they went big, they prayed and then went bold and went big and God shows up in a big way and they get a big win because God likes big wins. I think a lot of times our God is too small. One of the reasons it wasn't just grift. I was actually never frustrated with the grift. I'm a sinner. I understand the temptation to cash in to take it easy i get it i haven't done it politically but i've certainly done that and struggle with that in other areas of my life so the grift of so-called big baby that never I, i wasn't so much frustrated by that as that question that i asked davis were you concerned that if you went for the premise of the argument and you lost they would use that as standing to then just dismiss all of the uh other small minor technicality wins that you have racked up for individuals to get exemptions to this point in time. And what did he say? Being honest. Yeah. See, it was the arguments with the people at national right to life who told me if we attack Roe on the merits, we'll lose all of the, all of the piecemeal bills that we have won all these years that didn't actually save and stop any abortions, but they meant it. That's living on fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. There's no, there's no obedience and fear. None. Fear is the toxin of the enemy. That's the air he breathes. And we breathe in. Bold. Bold is when a 13-year-old Jewish boy shows up at the Valley of Elah and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would dare dare shout and scream these blasphemies somebody hand me some stones someone's got to do something about this the reason we're on the brink of overturning Roe is finally some states got together and my own state was one of the first and said enough of the fear let's go for the kill let's go for the kill on Roe what is life How do we know when something's alive? Let's define it. 
that began about 10 years ago. I think it, you said Aaron was in Arkansas who tried it first and it was yeah, not Arkansas, signed. Wyoming, or North Dakota yeah. back in 2014. And yeah. here we are less than a decade later and we might see the end of Roe. Let me tell you what the most brilliant example of this I have seen in recent times is Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? He is attacking the premise of their entire argument and it forces them into saying all forms of things that are just indefensible. And that's why I hope millions of people see that movie when it comes out next week. Force evil to defend its premise. Don't go after it on technicalities. There's a reason why the saying is the devil is in the details. Go after it head on. Go right for the head in full view of everybody else and make it defend itself. And that's what they did in this case. And look at the win. And now as we segue to closing out our discussion on Theology Thursday, this is the frustration of this book. Is throughout this book, Scott Atlas believes, Scott Atlas is like, hey, I get it. You guys are politicians. You're under the gun. You're besieged. You got blindsided by something you didn't see coming. Then you find out months into this, you can't trust the apparatus that surrounds you. It's all swamp. All right. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm here. I'm totally fine being the bad guy. Because you're doing me a favor. I was sitting home following all this data, reducing, trying to try doing shows like the Steve Day show and anybody who would talk to me just to vent my frustrations, trying to get anybody's attention I could. And you guys in the White House call me and say, come on in. And I'm like, I'm totally fine. I'm fine. Being, I'm the huckle. I'm, I'm your huckleberry. I'm in. I'll wear every form of black hat. They can all come after me. Because you're doing me a favor. I don't have to just sit home now and be frustrated watching this from afar. I'm going to be in the fight, attacking the premise of this head on, where I can actually do some good. And he kept trying to do that. He kept trying to say, let's go after the premise of all of this. And he kept being told we can't. And it wasn't, it wasn't grift. That's what's so frustrating. No one in the Trump White House was benefiting from this. No one was. It was fear. It was fear. Now we can't upset Debbie Burks. We can't rock the boat. We can't get the media mat any more angry at us. We can't get rid of Fauci. He's too popular. Those are all fear-based statements. There's no hope in fear. That's why we're told like 360 some odd times in the Bible, don't fear, fear not. There's only despair in fear. And that's the great frustration here, Todd, is here was a guy that was willing. He was excited. I'm here to slay the giant for you. I'll take all the heat and then I don't want anything. I'm just going to go home. I just want to end this. And I'm happy to do it on your behalf. And they can say anything they want about me, write anything they want about me, ratio me. I don't care about any of that. I'm just here for the truth. And they could have, they had, they, they had a gift horse and they looked it in the mouth because of fear. And now as a result of that, the stage was set for the election to be stolen because they had means, motive, and opportunity now with lockdowns and ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots and now the rest of us live in fear every single day 
of what these policies are going to do to us. And I can't wrap up from a theological perspective this book any better than that. So I'll hand it over to you guys. Your thoughts on Atlas's conclusion. The grotesque irony of it all is that uh, Trump ended up hiding his light under a bushel basket. If you want to get purely theological about this and how Atlas spends the time and what he talks about here, what is amongst the five five finger things you think Trump is most known for? One of them is utterly kneecapping the media. Fake news. And here, as it applies to Scott Atlas, Scott Atlas lays out in this whole chapter, all he got was fake news and we didn't fight back against it. Now, you can't fight back against anything, but we proved so successful. And Trump, at this moment, hid his light under a bushel basket and let Scott Atlas drown. What you had there, the media, they're enemies of the state. They are worm tongue. Mm -hmm. And they just whispered and whispered over and over again. If you remember that scene in uh, uh, The Two Towers... When, when uh, Gandalf and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli show up and they realize what's going on, they didn't do like apparently the police down in Texas and wait for an hour and a half. Remember that scene? They, because they even took their swords away when they got in mm-hmm. to make sure you take all their weapons. Uh, ultimately, Gandalf had his staff. But before that, the guys that normally fight with bows and arrows and axes and all this stuff... They just balled up their fists and they kicked everybody's ass and they got right in front of them and they said, breathe the free air again. We never did that with this. We just masked harder. We triple masked. We didn't breathe the air. We suffocated. Mm. That's why it was a uh, really important thing that Steve did something that might have been counterintuitive at first, but I think you understand that now. Why we did this book in theology Thursday. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's always been true, and it's certainly true now. Everything is theology. It is the queen of the sciences. You've put it on a shelf too long. You only go at Christmas and Easter. Everything is theology. Everything is God. Stop hiding your light under a bushel basket. I've told this story a few times, I believe, but I I played baseball one year, my eighth grade year. That summer, had a great time, came in green and learned how to throw a ball and, and, and had fun. But, but the biggest lesson I think that I learned that year, uh, I was always on the B team. And the B team this one day uh, was playing before the A team. And I had had probably my best day, my best game playing for the B team. And uh, I was just ready to sit back and relax watching the A team go out there and play it. And our left fielder on the A-team started struggling really badly. And there were just a couple of guys in the dugout, me and Samuel Ansong. And uh, Coach turned to me and said, if I put you out there, McIntyre, would you be able to make that catch? That was just dropped. And I said, uh, uh, probably. <laughs> he didn't skip a beat. He turned to Samuel Ansong. Samuel, could you make that catch? And Samuel said, put me in, coach. And he immediately, immediately subbed in. <laughs> That's what Todd's talking about, hiding, yep. hiding your light under a bush. Great analogy. Yep. Um, because when there's an opportunity, whether it's an opportunity positively or an opportunity to intervene, 
The answer should never be, eh, probably. <laughs> be decisive. You have to be decisive. Because I think Trump actually understood everything that Scott Atlas was saying. I agree. I think Trump wanted to act on everything that Scott Atlas was saying. But at the end of the day, eh, just a lot of eh, going along, going on in the leadership at the White House, whether it's the chief of staff or whether it's the president or or whoever, whomever. A lot of indecisiveness. And we, we could go into the, the motives, the causes, whatever. At the end of the day, we needed somebody there. We needed somebody in power. And we had somebody in power to say, no, nope, no further. Nope. I, messaging be damned. Uh, advisors be damned. This is the truth. This is what's really going on. Here's who is affected. Here's what is effective against this. Let's move on with that in mind. But instead, we got, eh, we'll mask it then. Eh, whoa. Uh, Operation Warp Speed. Eh, probably, you know, you could uh, do the socially distance. Just got a lot of, eh, probably. Let that be a lesson to you as well. Because there are a lot of opportunities. And don't let you, don't gaslight yourself and tell you anything there are a lot of opportunities whether it's in your church or whether it's at the school that you send your kids to or whether it's within your own family let's be honest about that as well (laughs) a lot of things that we as men can just slip and and let slide and say ah probably we'll deal with that another day nope 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 be a person an individual of action God gave you a brain. God gave you a soul. He's given us the Holy Spirit. There is no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to waffle. There's everything to be gained. There's everything to be gained from taking action. Whether it's the let's find out, okay, things are really as bad as I thought they were, or the let's find out, Elon Musk, I'm surrounded by pansies, let's buy Twitter. That kind of uh, affirmative, yep, no, we're, we're just going to, we're going to do things my way now. Everything to be gained from taking action, absolutely nothing and probably everything to lose by saying, eh, probably. I can't even begin to top that. So I'm just going to talk about one of my favorite products instead. <laughs> that was so well done. Uh, and I, almost as well done as the brownie batter puff at Bilt Bar, because I have to tell you, every day I come in, I've come in here the last few days and told you with great confidence how great it is. But the next morning, I wake up with more doubts, and I'm like, I don't know. Was I really tasting yesterday and the day before and the day before? Uh, was I really tasting what I thought I was tasting? So yet again, because we believe in the perseverance of the saints here on this program, I went ahead and unwrapped myself another brownie batter. Took your booster. I did. Boosted up. I, I, nice, nice. Couple of times. <laughs> Post-workout. Never-ending boosters, in fact. Uh, and uh, this one had very high efficacy, though. All right? This one worked. I mean, it, these are incredible, and they are available right now. I know I guys talk, I know I talk about the chocolate chip cookie to how much I love it. That flavor's, special flavor is not available right now. This one is in that top-tier group, and it is available right now. If you are a chocolate fiend like me... This is incredible how good this protein bar is. But 
it's really kind of par for the course because all of their all of the built bars are absolutely incredible. It's the best protein bar you've ever tried. 140, 150, 160 calories or less for every bar. Uh, low in carbs, low in calories, low in sugar, big though on protein and taste and flavor. All right. Try it today uh, with a discount. Get uh, 10% off when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at the checkout for Built.com. B-U-I-L-T, that's where you go. Built.com for Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar. Promo code Dace to get 10% off your order today. Well, that concludes. Don't everybody applaud at once. That's like when the pastor, after he's bored everybody, in conclusion, and people start to clap. That concludes very painful study we just did on Scott Atlas's book. One of the longest four months of my life or five months of my life was this study. I mean, it was, it was difficult, but it was also necessary and a tremendous work by Scott Atlas to catalog all of that pain, emphasis on pain, stakingly, for us to learn some valuable lessons. We will now turn to going on offense with the second book that we will be studying for Theology Thursday starting next week. And that will be the book that's right here in front of me on the set. Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. How do we go on offense against the spirit of the age? Now that we have observed it in its natural habitat, when it thinks it has dominion, how does it behave? And then we've also sadly learned how not to behave in response What do we do instead? How do we go on offense? We'll begin that series next week. If you want to get your copy right now on Amazon, if you don't own one yet, you can have it just in time for us to begin that study on the program here next week. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to three non-political questions, which we'll get to in just a moment. The recession is officially on. The official forecast for the U.S. economy in the first quarter is that it shrunk by 1.5%. Just more and more reasons why you want to get a hold of our friends over at Bullion Max. They're a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer. They can help you diversify into gold and silver. They have stood the test of time through... I mean, going back to ancient times against government encroachment, against personal wealth, hedges against inflation, security for your family in times of crisis. And Bullion Max is owned by veterans in the precious metal space. Some of the lowest prices on the Internet they can offer you right now with their silver starter kit, which includes that popular American Eagle silver coin. They can offer that to you right now at employee pricing. That's the cheapest they could possibly offer it. You can get it at employee pricing. This is a deal that is so good though, that they limit it to just one per household, please. You can take advantage of it right now when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, bullionmax.com slash Steve. It is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. 
Yes, a break from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Three non-political, hopefully good, entertaining questions. Question number one. Hold on real quick. I just want to make sure I have a good shot of Todd. <laughs> Here we go. For this question. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, you're in focus here. Let's all pretend that we are pre-trib, pre-mill eschatology. We hold a pre-mill, pre-trib So the left behind popular left behind American Christian, popular Protestant Christian view. Okay. View of eschatology. Oh, look at that shot. That was great. Um, by the Will way, does that be... mean that Todd is not allowed to say, I'm Catholic? Exactly. We, you're being asked to pretend. Exactly. All right, you're being exactly. asked to pretend. Okay. Yeah, right. Which could be even worse <laughs> than I'm Catholic. Yes. That's Will... what we're all doing, by the way, when we <laughs> yeah. bring up this nonsense we're pretending. <laughs> well played. That was well played. Uh, I got it. I'm, in fact, I'm just going to let it stand because yeah. it was so well played. I liked it, yeah. Uh, will there be unbelieving dissenters in the tribulation? Unbelieving dissenters? Yes. From the one world government. Oh, you mean like Marr and exactly. Russell Brand and types of people. Yeah. Uh, I oh. absolutely believe that is true. And this actually fits with a lot of you guys' theology, right? About Are there be dissenters raptured? No, no. No. That in the tribulation, After there will the rap, be like yeah. a, a third group of people. There will not just be those who were those who were left behind and became Christians. And then those who belong to the beast, okay? Got it. But that there will be a third group of people who um, are conscientious objectors to the mark to the to the oh, Mark's yeah. agenda. Why, that, why do you believe that? Why do I believe that? Yeah, just out of curiosity. Um, I believe that because the same process by which, well, you know, I'm I'm a. I should, no, no, I'm not going to say this out loud. I don't want to say this out. Yeah, he's having a harder time with it than me. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't want to say this out loud. Okay. So let me say it very quietly. Very quietly. Okay. Nobody heard that, right? I did. I didn't even hear that. Okay, good. All right. So even though I, I, I believe what I just said that hopefully you did not hear because I said it as quietly as I could, part of that process, though, um, can be a transformation of critical thinking. My own conversion is a testimony to this, okay? Before the final dam breaks loose. And so, at the very least, I will account for that um, within this equation. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. All right. So, so people who may not be finished, because, and who knows how they finish by the mm -hmm. end of the tribulation. But at some point, I, I absolutely believe there will be unfinished products who will be, who will be dissenters. Not to mention, we also see that even within, like when we go to um, Armag the Battle of Armageddon, for example, there are other armies of the world who align against the beast. Okay. Yep. And they're not, they're not described in this, in this eschatological account, I should say, they're not described or ascribed as operating on behalf of the kingdom of God. But basically it's a conflict of, of contradicting self-interests, right? Yep. Okay. So there's, there's, there's dissent to some degree factored into that equation as well. And one more follow-up question. Do you think that third group of people are the biggest fools of all? In the end? Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, 
they had proof. Yeah. And they chose, instead of getting the, at least for a few years, the easy way out, they right. continued to. Right. And and so, but but ultimately, I my favorite U2 song is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Okay. And, this, and the song is very theological, has a lot of direct biblical references, carried the... Um, you broke the bonds when you loose the chains, carried the cross and all of my shame. That I mean, I mean, the album's called the Joshua tree. Okay. I mean, it, it, there's a, there's several direct biblical references in the song, but I, as much as I think the song is tremendous and maybe the best song they ever did. And if it's not that one, it's probably another song on the same album where the streets have no name that are in that conversation with a few others. That's also littered with biblical references. The problem though is that in the song, there's a lament of, I accept all the meta-truths of revelation, but I'm still struggling with contentment. I'm still struggling with purpose and mission and how that relates to me on a, on a specific level, okay? And we've all been there, you know? Um, some of you might be there right now. I, mean, I was just there just a few years ago, so I get it. But, but ultimately, the goal is to find what you are looking for. Critical thinking can also become an idol. The, the, the point of critical thinking is to not now use that to embrace a hyper cynicism so you believe in nothing. It's to weigh and test the spirits, as Jude says. It's to, it's to discern truth from fallacy, from falsehood, from lie. And so if we're just critically thinking for critical thinking's sake, which is frankly what a guy like Bill Maher has done most of his life, then ultimately, then that even of in, in of itself, as much as we value critical thinking on the show, proved itself in the end to be a pointless exercise. Is that what you're alluding to? I think so, yeah. And then if you go to parts of your tradition, like Dante's Inferno and things of that nature, if I recall, like Aristotle and some of those people are on the furthest rim mm-hmm. of hell, furthest from the, the bowels of hell because... There was there was a general um, acknowledgement of some form of common grace or natural law. If I, I don't, I mean, you know it better than me as Catholic. But if, am I at least somewhere hovering around the target here a little yeah. bit? Okay. So then, this would be an easy thing for you, from your persuasion, to accept. Then, yeah, I don't. I mean, remember, the Sabbath was made for man, not man uh, for the Sabbath, it, it, and God knows every hair on our head. Ultimately, in this scenario, Aaron. Uh, Dare I say you are describing your theology's version of purgatory. Now, it it will come with cost within that world. You will be purged of your doubt and your sin. You will have to go to great measures of sacrifice in that world in your belief. But it strikes me as you're describing uh, purgatory and again, within the Catholic theology, purgatory is not an other heaven, hell, purgatory. If you're in purgatory, you are going to heaven. Let's fit before we get to the next two questions. Let me tell you again about our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, another indicator of the fact we're in a recession, new home, new housing starts have slowed to a crawl as well. Uh, and it, it's going to be probably never more important, at least since 2008, than it is right now. Before you get into this real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. For those of you asking me what that's from, from the early days of doing the, this uh, ad, 
And it was right around the early days of COVID and how everything was called and described as unprecedented. And we were just making a joke that you couldn't have a conversation in American media without using that word. And so we got to make sure we check the box and we used unprecedented. And then you would check the box with a bing and that's where that comes yes. from. Okay. So if, if you want more than a bing, but you want some bada boom uh, from your real estate agent, make sure you find a real estate agent that you can trust when you go to the website that's name, whose name just kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com, just about anywhere you want to move to or from here in the United States, we can find you, probably find you, a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, that was a couple of fascinating answers. Uh, there are cans of worms that Steve, uh, I think, was, was avoiding opening up with uh, the... Um, in in that question, which we could delve into as well, but we just don't have the time. But uh, fascinating, nonetheless. Uh, question number two: What's on your Mount Rushmore of food you haven't tried yet, but you'd like to? Food I haven't tried yeah. yet, but I would like to. One for me is haggis. I don't even know what that is. It's that, uh, I think it's stuffed Scot- intestines. Scottish stuffed intestines. That stuff looks yeah, good. So Steve's out. Uh, poutine, which is that You've Canadian. You've never had poutine? I've never had poutine before. Canadian, it's just like. cheese curds and gravy on french fries. Yeah. All right. I could put that on a list. Yeah, I could go for that. that. I so could that's get two that. things from me. You want some good poutine? What's the, what's the donut sandwich that they serve on <laughs> it's Fat not Tuesday? A, that, it's no, not that's on good. brand. I what's did, the donut sandwich? I I did. What is oh, that called? Uh, I, it's too rich. Is it? I, well, I did. I'm one, willing to take so that my, shot. My 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 beautiful wife uh, got me some gluten free donuts, and I'm like, hey, it's they're like glazed donuts. Yeah, they, they actually taste really good. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'll just I'll make some eggs, and get some sausage and cheese, and put it uh, in between. I'll cut this donut in half. Way too rich. Way too rich. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because it's it, it's associated with Fat Tuesday going into Lent, and so it's a very decadent thing the donut sandwich um do you know what i'm talking about no and i would know the name if somebody said it uh, and somebody's probably already emailed it to me no okay but sandwich. it's a donut sandwich they serve them like on fat tuesday heading into lent season no got nothing uh, okay um but that whenever i hear people talk about those i'm like that sounds glorious i could go for that um can we create something it doesn't have to be a pre-existing yeah, sure, food sure. all right Chocolate chip cookie dough Costco cake. That is the most Steve. <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> just ugly American <laughs> answer I think he's ever given <laughs> this program. Can I can I just disregard the premise of the question and You're make up something that doesn't exist from Thank Costco? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's that might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Thank you very much. It was on brand. <laughs> yes. What is his uh, Willy Wonka name? What, your daughter actually played one of the chicks, yes, right? Yes, uh, uh, she played... Uh, Faruka Salt or not, the other Not Faruka, the, 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 the bubble blower. Um, I can't remember. Who am I thinking of? Man, oh, we're just really old today. Yeah. I'm Couldn't remember purple, the name. Can't uh, remember. Name? Violet. Uh, Violet. Yeah, yeah she played Violet in this <laughs> Des Moines Civic Center production of... Uh, what was your... Of, well, you uh, named a r- ice cream. What'd you name that? That's your Willy Wonka... The Jerry... Ben yeah. and Jerry's thing. What'd you name oh, it? Oh, it was... Blueberry. It, it, it's Blueberry Hill. That's okay. All right. It's Blueberry you, Ice you. Cream. <laughs> yeah. With marsh with a marshmallow ribbon and, and fudge chunks. Yes. That's Steve's happy place. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's so endearing. Hill the, the of things, blueberries. You know, coming to work... You, oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be brutal tech. That... 
Yeah. This stuff is way more fun. Like you have told me, I have the palate of a 12-year-old. Oh now you understand why, why, given the way I work out, it has been very difficult to lose the last 40 pounds <laughs> of belly fat for the last seven or eight years because I have the palate of an 11-year-old. You're exactly right. <laughs> yes. I'm like Elf. Candy corns, candy cane. Yes. I'm like that. Yes. Uh, Todd, do you have anything to add? You know, I... I eat what I want. I think it'd be, I'd like to like immerse myself into uh, a culture. I think like uh, the Japanese uh, culture, even though I have a hard time, uh, I I just don't like shellfish, but I think all of the, that the Mediterranean diet, um, you know, a lot of olive oil things, just all the time and see what that was like, because I think there's a lot of, health benefits to those kinds of things. But if there's, I, I've tried every food I've really ever wanted to try. I think the other two for me would be like authentic German bratwursts, although I'm pretty sure I'll be disappointed by that. Um, and uh, authentic like sushi right in Japan. It originated in Japan, I think. So uh, those two items, although the two times I've been, or the, the one time I've been in Europe, the, the, the European food is mostly terrible. Uh, just no taste whatsoever. It's because of our palate. Maybe that's why they're so skinny. Yeah. That, they yeah, don't serve that, the people good food that they want to keep eating. Uh, that's, that's absolutely true. But they do serve them cigarettes for breakfast in France. They do do that. Yeah. And that's probably another reason why they're skinny. Uh, final question. Aside from Heath Ledger, who's the best actor or what is the best actor or actress performance in cinema history? Oh, wow. In cinema history. You want to take a stab at that? I mean, I've, I've got so many things going through my head right Singular now. Singular performance. I'll let you. I'll let you take this one first. Well, I think uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Anthony I mean, Hopkins. Here's the best thing. There's a lot of good answers to this question. Actually, I think, I uh, think Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. That's a good answer to the question, right? For me, it's James McAvoy and Split. Hmm. That you know. That's very, obviously it's not like a classic film, but that performance is incredible. Yep. I mean, to the point that, you know, I mean, I I mean that, yeah, that's absolutely incredible. That performance. How about Pacino Godfather part two? There you go. Would that be, that's the thing. There is no right answer. The question is, can you come up with an answer that we would say that's a good answer? Right. Right. Because there's, how many possible performances here that uh, Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, how mm-hmm. many possible performances here that you could, that are, and, and we haven't gotten to the actresses yet that are such a tour de force that you could say that. So that's the, to me, that's how you know if you have the right answer is if you give the suggestion and we instantly go, Oh right. yeah. You know, now the one that came to mind was Anthony Hopkins. I, I think you are. Yeah. That, that absolutely belongs there. You be- bet. That's a good question, though. I'd like to ruminate. That's what my problem. I'm not even speaking because I'm just ruminating on it, which does not make for good uh, uh, media. But fun question. All right, that'll do it for today's program. Uh, we're going to stick around and record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. Go there and get a discounted subscription today. For the rest of you, we will close it out here on a Memorial Day weekend or leading into it tomorrow with the Dace Group, uh, noon to 2 Eastern tomorrow. Until then. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.